Hit us with an opener. What if I told you there was a way to stop or at least limit aging in mice? Does it have to do with poop? And it did not have to do with poop. I don't believe it. I know, that's what I first thought. And yet here we are discussing new research from other scientists also studying mice, although very different ends of mice. Scientists have recently rejuvenated old mice using ejections containing brain fluid source from younger mice. Uh, they're taking many things from younger mice and putting them into older mice? I, I'm waiting to see when they just take the younger mice and shove it inside the older mouse and see if that does it. I wouldn't be opposed to that if they were to offer me that as a secret fountain of youth. The brain thing or shoving young mice in you? <laughs> Either or. Okay. Well, according to a new study that was published in the journal Nature, memory problems associated with old age in mice can be reversed by taking cerebrospinal fluid from young mice. The study essentially examined the link between memory and cerebrospinal fluid and the composition of which changes with age. Now, what they were doing was basically taking the spinal fluid from mice that were at most 10 weeks old and sticking it into mice that were between 18 and 22 months old, which apparently constitutes old man mice. That's when they get their old man mouse strength. Well, I wonder how much is like a mouse year? Is it one for like 12 maybe, do you think? Well, that would make sense because the year of the rat is one of 12 in the Chinese zodiac. So yeah, I'm going to go with that. Two years. Oh my God, it'd be like way more. 50 years. A lifespan of a mouse is two years. So it'd be like 50 years old. I mean, I, I guess that makes it pretty easy to study the aging process when it happens so fast. True, true. Okay, we're analyzing this really good. Okay. Good us. Yeah, good us. Go us. Yes. Go journey to the fridge. Anyhow, to continue. In follow-up experiments, scientists found that certain genes could be used to elicit the same response without extracting brain fluid from the younger mice. An infusion of fibroblast growth factor called FG F17 was able to boost oligodendrocytes, the cells that create myelin, a material that covers and insulates neuron fibers. This in turn helped older mice improve their memory ability. What does this mean? Quite simply that therapies that directly access the CSF could be useful in treating memory related illnesses like dementia and everything kind of in that whole dementia umbrella. But don't get too excited okay? because this is still a long road away and it has only been like initially studied in mice. Like, like we like talked about with the poop, yeah. You shouldn't go finding young spinal fluid and just shoving that spinal fluid in yourself because we don't know if that's actually going to help in any way and that might constitute some sort of crime. Or young mice. That still might know. constitute some sort of crime. I don't know for sure, though. Probably. If not, we need to update our crimes. Yeah, and so we've been updating you on mice and I feel like we're on the brink of some major mice breakthroughs. Dare I say mice will be living into three years and on? They may be. With some weird poop and spine stuff in them. <laughs> Not I'm weird. actually very curious. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'd be very curious if they just like did all of this at the same time. But then you kind of run into that ship of Theseus kind of question. Is it still the same old mouse you started off the voyage with if you replace all the insides? I was just going to ask that same question. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be the same mouse. If you keep the same brain, same memories, same personality, same mouse personality. But what if it turns out shoving in the young mouse memories inside the old mouse actually makes it young? Nah, it wouldn't. <gasps> the memories. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think memories go with spinal fluid? No, probably with the poop. Probably with the feces, you're right. Yeah, but I just thought because I came across this during the week, it is something that we could not in good conscience pass up as it, no. it just follows so well. And we are now that podcast that you go to for all your mouse aging related questions. I was just going to say, we're going to have to put that into our mission statement. Follow us for some mice aging trivia. <laughs> so that you can be more fun at parties. Yeah, exactly. Just like we are <laughs> at our own parties. <laughs> in any event, let's get on with this show. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, the show that reminds you that all memories can be falsifiable and we really have just some sort of weird idea of what the past really is with no 100% chance that it actually exists. Therefore, it is a not 0% chance that we are the first sound that has ever happened and the only sound, in fact, that has ever existed. Blowing my mind. Yes, but thankfully we do have a back catalog, so if you do need more sounds to just blow those ears away with, go check those out. We are your sound creators. Creators, Taylor and Chelsea, here today to talk to you about a man who is best known for his sleeping anecdotes, I think is the best way to put it. A man who probably does need an introduction. His name is Edgar Casey, and he does also need an explanation, which is why we're doing these episodes. It is going to be a two-parter. Chelsea's got these, and I am very excited to experience the world that is Edgar Case. Yeah, Edgar Casey, that does actually need a whole episode, is not just that beautiful intro that Taylor just gave. We are coming into this episode with more insight and trajectory to where we are going in these next episodes than ever in Journey to the Fringe history as it leads up to some other really good episodes that we have planned and this was just the natural starting place and where it's going you'll just have to find out. So that's a little teaser for you even though I didn't tell you where it's going. As Taylor has not only alluded to but outright just told you this episode is on the sleep prophet himself, Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey is probably one of the most renowned psychics in history and is most renownedly known not only as the sleeping prophet, but also the father of holistic medicine. He was a clairvoyant who channeled his higher self while in a trance-like state slash just like straight up asleep. He's also the most documented psychic of the 20th century. Casey's abilities at one point or another include astral projection, mediumship, telling prophecies, viewing the Akashic records, and seeing auras. Casey also used astrology and dream work during his practice, and most of this is all later in his life, and we will touch on. I just kind of want to set the stage for what Edgar Casey is most well known for before we actually get into his early life, which is what we're going to be focusing on in this episode. Question. So, yeah. Do you get into what the Akashic Records are? We can when okay. I bring it up. I didn't okay. actually get into them. To be honest, I'm going with everybody listening to this episode already well knows what a lot of this stuff is, but feel free to interject where I'm using something you feel like could use more explanation. Okay. Casey was born on a farm close to Hopkinsville, Kentucky, March 18, 1877, to his parents, Carrie and Leslie 
Wesley, who were farmers and had six children, one of which was Edgar. Edgar's abilities began to appear early in life. He was able to see and talk to his late grandfather's spirit, and he liked to play with imaginary spirit friends that he called little folk, and he said he could see right through them. When Edgar was at the age of 10, he was somewhere. The accounts of where exactly he was vary. Some say he was at church, others say he was in the woods. The important thing of this encounter is that he had an encounter with a woman with wings who told him that his prayers had been answered and she asked him what he wanted most of all. Now, if this was me and I was 10 years old and someone asked me what I wanted most of all that looked like an angel, I would have probably answered Barbies or something like that. Probably Barbies. Definitely Barbies. I don't know what else you get that's angel shaped. I mean, you can get a, a food cake, which I don't know why you need to have the food. Well, you're not asking for something angel shaped as if Barbies okay. are angel shaped. Okay. <laughs> They're just asking what you want most of all. What would you have said? And he's 10 years old. Yeah, like what some video I... games. Probably. Yeah, like N64, I think, was just coming out around. No, yeah. it was a few years old. Maybe PlayStation 2, it was somewhere around there. Yeah, it was definitely it, video game. Something related, like that. Though. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But not Edgar. Edgar, he said he was a little frightened, which yes, I could see being frightened by that. I No, I would have said Barbies if somebody said that stuff. And I, to be fair, I just wanted to ask you because this is a very different thing than how most people envision angels, but mm -hmm. this is not an angel-like figure from the Bible then. It could be. Have you seen artists' interpretations of what those should look like? No. It, okay, I need you to nobody just says really angel. quick. I say that. Okay, Google really quick Bible angels and how they are actually described in the Bible is everything that is not human shaped in those pictures. Really? Yeah. It just shows like little babies with wings. This one's well, a sword. Cheer ups. This one's a yeah. sword with wings. There's the wheels. There's just like the, oh, the there's many wheels. arms. Yeah, there's, there's the lion weird with ones. an eye in its chest. Oh, yeah. there's the eye wheel. Yeah. So that's what angels in the Bible actually look like. It's okay. just much easier to draw a person with wings. This just blew my mind. This is not what he saw. And literally, it's my interpretation calling it an angel. He never said angel. Okay. Just to put it out there right now, he never said angel. So he was a little frightened at first, but after thinking about it a little bit and calming his fears, he explained that he wanted to help others. Like, what's his problem? He doesn't want, like, fun things. He wants to help others. Especially... To be fair, the N64 has not come out yet. Okay, no, it's not at all. It's at least 120 very, years away. It's off a little bit. So, especially wanted to help sick children and decides at that very moment he would like to be a missionary. And the lady just straight up disappears in response to that. The next night, Leslie, Edgar's father, receives a complaint from Edgar's teacher, who is Edgar's uncle. Edgar <laughs> said he found it very difficult to focus on his lessons, and Leslie becomes so enraged, he ruthlessly tested Edgar, eventually becoming so enraged he knocks Edgar out of his chair. He doesn't sound like a nice guy. Casey says that he suddenly heard the voice of the woman with wings again, who told him that if he went to sleep, they would help him. Edgar does it. Somehow how he gets his father knocking him out of the chair out of the room he says i just need to take a rest let's reconvene in a few minutes and he puts his head on his books and goes to sleep and lo and behold when his father comes back into the room and woke edgar up he knew all the answers he could repeat 
anything from the book, right down to the page numbers and the pictures and everything that were on each page. Obviously, Leslie thought Edgar was playing him for a fool, and he knocks him out of his chair again. From here on out, this is how Edgar studied for school. He slept on his books, and by the time he was 15, he became the best student in school, and his parents were so proud at this point, telling everybody. Was what? his uncle still the teacher? Probably not at this point. Probably just that okay. one year. He's from a small no, it, town, remember? Yeah, and they're small schools, so usually it's like one school per all the grades. I was in a 5-6 split class. Basically yeah. the same thing. One day during a ball game at school, Casey had an injury. This is Edgar, not the father. Had an injury to his tailbone and began to behave strangely. That night he went to sleep and he miraculously diagnosed a cure for himself in his sleep. His family prepared the cure as per Edgar and he was cured of his tailbone injury. Wait. Yeah. He had a tailbone injury and... Yeah. They think it's magical that he came up with a cure for it, which was likely an ice pack. Yeah, he's a genius. <laughs> That's the smartest kid in grade five right there. Obviously. <laughs> this is all a part of the story. This okay. is a part of the mysticism. Okay. <laughs> You're ruining it. <laughs> this ability right here doesn't return for some years after this first experience. It's kind of forgotten, even though everyone's so proud of Edgar at this point. Kid peaked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't though. Most kids would have. No. There's more peeking to do. In 1893, the family picks up and leaves the farm, having noticed Edgar's abilities, the tailbone healing, and they move to Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So this is not far away from their small little farming community, but they're like, this kid is going places. He's healing tailbones. He's sleeping on his books. He's a genius. Can we, I don't think we can pluralize that. What one? He's healing tailbone. Oh, he's, yeah, you're right. It's tailbone at this point. Go in places. He healed tailbone. I never specifically mentioned another tailbone. So he's cured tailbone. So they leave. They leave the small farming community. They're out of there. They move to Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Edgar's education at this time is apparently sufficient in grade nine. At this time, grade nine is actually like, this is a doctorate that he has grade nine as those are the times and his family could not afford to put him through school anymore so he's left to look for work here in the new city full of opportunity probably as previously mentioned with the angel encounter i'm gonna call it an angel you can't stop me i already said it's probably not an angel that's just me I mean, you can call it a harpy what's that same parameters okay. harpy a winged female creature okay Harpy. He was drawn to the church. He read the entire Bible once a year, every year. Major dedication there. Oh, I never asked myself that question. Maybe he just wanted to, you know, have the full experience of it. He liked it that much. Yeah. He attended church. He taught Sunday school and recruited missionaries. He said he could see auras around people, could speak to angels, and hear voices of departed relatives. I never want to see an angel of the Bible. Now that you've made me Google that, I don't even know what I would do if I saw that in real life. Yeah. Like, it would haunt my dreams. In these years, he was unsure of whether the voices he was hearing were good or evil, which is also weird because I literally just said he said he talked to angels, so he would think those would be good, but oh, I'm Satan's to the an angel. He is. You always draw really good conclusions or make good points. So let's cut to 1900. Yeah, 1900. That's so long ago. It's here that Edgar and Leslie, his father, start a band. He could fucking wail on the <laughs> organ. <laughs> 
just kidding. That's an inside joke for now, but we're going to let you in on that joke in a few episodes. Trust me. That's why this episode is important so that I could set that joke up. You may want to bookmark this to come back to. I forgot I put that in there. What actually happens here is that Edgar and Lust form a business partnership to sell Woodman and the World Insurance. But with a plot twist, Edgar is struck with severe laryngitis in which he completely loses his voice. Unable to talk, to sell insurance, Edgar is stuck at home with his parents for almost a year. So in that time, he decided to take up photography. Since you don't have to use your voice to take photos, and he actually does quite a lot of work as a photographer for a good 10 years. In yet another weird plot twist, in 1901, a stage hypnotist who went by the Laugh Man was performing in the area and heard about Casey's throat condition somehow, and the Laugh Man offered to attempt to cure. The experiment was conducted at the local throat specialist office, and while Casey's voice allegedly returned while he was under the hypnotic trance, upon awakening, it disappeared again. The Laugh Man had to leave to do his traveling, but Casey then catches the attention of other hypnotists who start trying to help him as well. I'm not sure why this is going on, and while he's at a throat specialist, there's no actual records of him going to an actual doctor for this laryngitis. So They must have been in short supply in Hopkinsville. Maybe they just had the throat specialist's office yeah. and there is no actual doctor there that was a throat specialist. And they were like, this seems like a fitting place to hold the hypnotism. Let's do it at the abandoned throat specialist building. Enter stage left, Dunan Quackenboss. For real, that's his name. From New York. He decides to help, yet finds the same problem as the laugh man. And he suggests that Casey should take over his own case while under hypnosis. But he's in New York, so now the only local amateur hypnotist, Al Lane, an osteopath, offers to help. Lane asks Casey while under hypnosis to describe the nature of his condition and what the cure is, and through his help, Casey cures himself. So with the help of a shit ton of hypnotists, this is where the power of Edgar Casey is starting to be realized. I just want to explain to you what the power that's being realized is here. This is that under a trance-like state, he could reach his higher self, which comes to be known as the entity, to help determine the ailment in specific anatomical terms, as well as holistic cures, which include unique combinations of osteopathy, chiropractic, electrotherapy, vibrations, massage, foods, herbal treatments, and diet. So Lane starts experimenting, and Lane hypnotizes Casey again and asks him what's wrong with him and how to cure himself. I don't know that I'd be doing that. I don't know that I'd so openly be asking someone I just hypnotized what's wrong with me. <laughs> well, that you know is, Chelsea, I mean? why we are not hypnotists. <laughs> I can hypnotize. I could if I wanted to, but I would okay. not open myself up for that. It's a lot easier than when they're awake. Yeah, to Lane's surprise, Casey's bang on. Now, the notes are missing what is actually wrong with Lane at this point. <laughs> is it the fact that he's a hypnotist that asks these questions while they're under? It could be a lot. It could be that he has a mouse in him. We don't know. Maybe he doesn't have enough mice in him. <laughs> exactly. Anyhow, whatever was wrong with him, Casey says it and they cure him. They somehow figured out Casey's super specific superpower. Just to describe what Casey 
he would do at this point. I feel like it's important to set you up for what he would do. He would lie down on a couch. This is what he's famous for. He continues practicing this throughout his whole life, which is why I'm starting it here because this is how I picture it all starting. So he would lie down on a couch, hands clasped across his chest and be put into a trance-like state, eyes closed, practically sleeping, relaxing. However, Casey would not refer to it as a trance. When he described it, he would say more like a sleep, but different from bedtime sleep. He would say, in quotes, we have the body towards the subject that he was referring to and proceed to describe the ailment in specific anatomical terms. And he would have Lane at this point transcribe what he was saying in terms of what's wrong with the person and what the cure was. And Lane is excited that he just got both these things bang on. And he believes Edgar has a little bit of clairvoyance maybe. And he suggests to Edgar that he should help people with his gift. Casey was reluctant because he didn't know what he was recommending or even saying while he was under this trance or if it was safe but he's finally convinced by Lane to do it on one condition it must be free and he has great success at his readings with the local folks Lane sets out advertising for Casey describing his methods as quote a self-imposed hypnotic trance which induces clairvoyance and was advertised in newspapers and such probably just newspapers being it's 1901. It pretty much takes off for him by word of mouth and the advertising and such. It was also discovered when responding to the letters. He just needed a name and a location of the person and he could diagnose physical and mental conditions then provide a remedy. Casey gets more and more well known in the local area for this and people from around the world wanted a reading by Casey. It is thought that he has done more than 20,000 readings in his lifetime. 1902, Casey moves to Bowling Green, which is a town, and he lives with some young professionals composed of a magistrate, a journalist, and a couple of doctors. He marries Gertrude Evans in 1903, and they have three kids, which aren't born yet. I just thought, while well, I'm at it, saying that he married someone, might as well let you know he had three kids. As it was foretold. To survive. And Gertrude disapproves of Casey's readings, all while Edgar himself is still grappling with the morality of the whole situation situation of the readings that he's giving. Wait, what does Gertrude disagree with exactly? I think they're both very religious. Even Edgar has a lot of problems with the readings he's giving because they go against his actual religion. And I think they just, I don't know, clairvoyance, hypnotism. It was just like they used to say hypnotizing someone would later lead to mental illness. It's just the time. It's like the 1900s. Okay. And yeah, I just find it so weird because that goes against it for sure. Like you were just talking about, probably a horrible way to say it. But he saw this angel-like being or this winged human. Yeah. And he wished to be a missionary. And yeah. he gets this power and they're fairly certain that it's not Jesus' powers. That's correct, right? You know, you always make the best points. I can't say I would have pointed that out. No, they never tie it to anything to do with God or anything. He is very religious. It's almost like somebody in the future claiming to be Edgar Casey and then doing absolutely dick all with it after that. Yeah, that's a very interesting connection you make. It's almost like you have clairvoyance into another episode. Yeah. But it's neither here nor there. Okay. They're both grappling here, both Gertrude and Edgar. You have to remember the time. It's 1903 at this point. I had to double check what year we were in. 1903. This is a lot of years ago. 
I'm not the greatest at math, it's a while ago, at least 20 years, and they're uncomfortable with this. They probably don't quite understand what it is. A few days after the marriage, Lane, which is the hypnotist, if you remember, they're working together, reveals Casey's goings-ons, which are the clairvoyants, to his roommates that Casey's living with, whom Casey was hiding this part of his life from because they're like lawyers and stuff. He doesn't, doctors, he doesn't want them to know. After which state medical authorities force Lane to close his practice and Lane leaves town to acquire the proper osteopathic qualifications. So I guess he was just practicing that without any qualifications. He leaves. So Casey's left without Lane now. Who was Just so you know, osteopaths don't really need licensing per se. <laughs> but now he's like, I need some qualifications. You like, just like okay, open the door on something. I did a quick Google. Osteopaths are generally people who will read auras. Oh, that I thought it was like a foot doctor. Okay. No. <laughs> so he was just fully, you wouldn't need, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Lane's important at this point because he's pretty much facilitating Casey being able to make the readings that he is getting popular for. Casey can't just do them for himself. He can't just lay on a couch and put himself into this state for some reason and you would think he would be able to. But Casey, because he loses Lane, decides to open another photography studio in Bowling Green. Meanwhile, the doctors that he had roomed with form a committee with some colleagues to investigate the Casey phenomenon. And Casey cooperates. I don't know that I would make the same decision. I wouldn't be like, hey, roommates, let's form a committee against Casey and like see what he's up to. Actually, maybe- Kind of sound like dicks, to be fair. I mean, I wouldn't form a committee, but I'd be like, I'd want to know, like, but I, I would be interested. Need, okay. At this point, I do need to make a slight okay. amendment to what I said before. An osteopath okay. is just kind of a chiropractor who doesn't just deal with the back. Okay. It's not feet though. I was a little throw. It's not feet. It okay. could include feet, but not it's sure mostly like joint feet. working. There was an osteopath in my area called Aura Osteopathy. Mm. So that's why I thought it was that's aura cool. related. Okay. Yeah. I'd also like to amend my statement. I would take you to someone like this and be like, tell me what's wrong with him. <laughs> but not me. That's a fair just, point. Just you. Okay. All their experiments on the little committee that they put together confirm the accuracy of Casey's readings. So they probably did the same thing. They're probably like, don't tell me what's wrong with me. Tell me what's wrong with this person. And all these people on the committee, they were like, whoa, he's right. And they offered a lucrative business deal to Casey, but he declines. And after after the examinations got more violent, probably not violent, just probably a little bit more intense. Violence, my word. Casey refused any more, and he said he would only do readings for those who needed help and believed in the readings. He didn't want any part of that. So let's cut Wait, to 19. Yeah. They believed in the readings, though, didn't they? Isn't that why they, they wanted to go into business? Exactly, yeah. So, so okay. They really weird, wanted to go into to business it. because it's a weird time in America. It's a weird, weird time. So Casey's grappling with the idea of giving the readings, Casey seems to have some really good morals. He thinks because he can't remember what he's saying and he thinks he could say something that would not help someone, he doesn't want to give them. And these people see a business opportunity in him. This is when psychics are, if you remember back from Blavatsky and stuff like that, this is a time where esoteric stuff in America is picking up a little bit. So these people are all kind of really interested 
interested in what he's doing, especially that he's making accurate predictions. Yeah, it, it is a strange time in the US. I believe Taft is in the White House. They're installing a bathtub specifically for him because he's such a large fellow. It's truly weird times indeed. Is it heart shaped? No, it's just large. Okay. He's a large fellow. I'm just coming fresh off watching Dumb and Dumber last night, so I have That's to. why you texted me that. Okay. So he said, do you love me? And she says, no, but that's a real nice ski mask. <laughs> it's a classic movie, everybody. Back to Edgar Casey. Cut to 1906 and 1907. Fires burned down Edgar's two photography studios, leading to bankruptcy. And between these two fires is where his first son is born. Didn't he have insurance? He probably did. Oh, oh no, he had bankruptcy. Might I feel like an have. insurance salesman should have had insurance. You're drawing a lot of really good conclusions here, which I have no answers for. So I'm going to continue. He crawls his way out of debt, however, still refuses to make his superpower into a business and finds a job at another photography place. His dad introduces him to a persistent man named Wesley H. Ketchup, a physician from Hopkinsville, and spread info about Casey to various medical circles and eventually a reporter contacts Casey. Casey explains to the reporter that he somehow had the ability to easily go into an intuitive sleep whenever he wanted to and this was different from how he went to real sleep like normal people do and that it happened via the capabilities of the subconscious mind wait how do you go to sleep i figured it was about the same yeah I'm a really good sleeper, actually. I can just close my eyes and go to sleep, knock on wood that that never leaves. But that's pretty much how I would describe it to you, actually. Okay, I use my old pal podcasts. I could not do that because I would concentrate. I had to put on something I hated, but then I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. But I have been hypnotized. And if you're hypnotized right, you wake up feeling super refreshed and rested and nice. So I can't say he was in a bad place by doing this for pleasure at this point. Catch him again urges Casey to join a business and after much soul searching Casey finally says yes to the dress but with conditions including that he did not take money for the readings which is kind of weird to me for a business but that's what he says and Casey <laughs> great business plan yeah exactly I mean we're in a business but no money please Casey didn't really put any stock into the therapeutic nature of his readings again odd for me since this helped his throat however it wasn't until Gertrude came down with tuberculosis and the doctors had pretty much given up on her that Casey Casey was able to cure her with a nap. Shortly after this, it was discovered that Ketchum was using Casey's readings to gamble for finance, and Casey quits and goes back to photography in Selma, Alabama. You mean this businessman who opened up a business about this was using it to make money? Yeah. The gall of this man. Like I said, it's a super weird time because this seems to happen to Edgar over and over again where people just want to exploit this power. And I think, again, it has something to do with the time. We're approaching 1910. This esoteric thing is kind of taking off and gaining interest in the United States right now. So a lot of people seem to be taking advantage of him and wanting to capitalize on his superpower. Yeah, we're also kind of at the peak of what would be just kind of unregulated capitalism. 
So yeah. it makes sense that they're wanting to exploit something as much as possible for cash. Yeah, it, it happens to him a lot. I continue to talk about it. So even though Casey walked away, he continued to do more and more readings as he was getting quite famous for this. People are writing him a lot of letters. People are wanting to go into business with him. So they're pretty much doing free advertising for Casey at this point. In turn, Casey is only asking for donations to support himself and his family so he could do this full time. But that's profit, no? Yeah, especially if it says suggested donations somewhere. Like, that's just basically the cost of doing business. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like, we've all gone into places that say suggested donation mm-hmm. $5. And guess what? You put $5 in there. Yeah, so you're paying. Fun fact, he also invented the card game Pit, which you can still buy this day, so that he could supplement his income with this Did game. he come up with it awake, or is it like a game for the other worlds? Okay, that would be an interesting spin on it, but no. I think specifically because they didn't mention he came up with this while he was napping, that it didn't come from it that way. Because that would be a totally different angle. He should have used that angle, to be honest with you. Because then I would go out and buy it. I don't give a shit about it right now. Oh, yeah, that would be the new Ouija board right there. I wouldn't want if if it was the new Ouija board. But if it was inspired from these weird, I don't know, even if you said it was from a weird circle eyeball angel. I don't know if I'd want it. Yeah, that's fair. Also, it'd probably look a lot more terrifying. Yeah, those but like, are gonna haunt I, my dreams. I get he didn't want to exploit this to make a profit off of the divine, but could he yeah. have not even just had somebody ask it? Like, how could he at least just like survive? Give him something that will make him survive so that he can continue to do this. At this point, I don't think he really understands what he's working with. He's specifically taken the direction of other people yeah. to get to this point. It wasn't even him coming to the realization. It was other hypnotists coming and directing the questions specifically to him to get him to this point to be able to diagnose things. Who knows? We might all have the power. We've just not been asked specifically by a hypnotist while under a trance. Yeah, they probably What actually, is wrong with me? They probably made it hypnotist code at some point. That you're you not don't allowed to ask, ask that question anymore. Exactly. And like I just said, like I wouldn't outright ask someone under hypnosis, like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> like, that's pretty ballsy if you ask me. Yeah. I wouldn't even ask someone not under hypnosis. It's, yeah, what's wrong no, with it's me. it's probably part of the Hippocratic code at this point. Yeah. Or they do ask it, but they just don't tell anybody. And then, like, you know, you got this cash cow. Because like the whole problem was Edgar Casey kind of found out eventually that he was being used as a cash cow. And that's why you can't... It's all part of the hypnocratic oath. Yeah. So here we are. Casey's continuing his work in his trance state for the rest of his life. And at this point, he brings a team to help him. A hypnotist to put him into a trance state. He needs that. He can't put himself into a trance-like state. He wouldn't say that though. That trance-like state is all me. He wouldn't put himself into a nap. Nap and this are different. His wife and eldest son help him with the readings as well as a secretary to record his readings in shorthand. Due to the popularity of his readings, entrepreneurs, as we kind of talked about, sought Casey either to exploit and make money off him or for readings with things such as where they could find treasure, where the X was, or which horse would win at the race. Casey hated this and refused. He was quite a moral person until the right person came along. Oh my god, you guys, this is where it gets so good. Enter Arthur Lammers, a wealthy printer and student of any guesses? I'm gonna say no Crowley's too well he would have been born by now but he wouldn't be he'd be younger I am gonna say Rasputin 
That's a really good guess, actually. That's a really good guess. No, but that's wrong. It's Theosophy. Oh. Who persuades Casey to give readings on philosophical subjects. And let's just put a pin on this. This is a major thing. I had no idea Edgar Casey has a major influence in his life who had very strong theosophical beliefs. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm going to stop right here in Edgar Casey's little biography and talk about theosophy a little bit, which we've talked about. Theophysy is the creation of HPB, Helena something Blavatsky. I can't remember what P stands for. Go back, have a listen. She's the mother of the occult and many other things. It's a good episode. That was a decent episode. episode. I got oh, really yeah. drunk at that the was, end. That was still a good episode. You can't tell. Yeah in that episode actually if you listen to it <laughs> i edited a lot of it out but i had to keep that one good point in there that you ended a biography of a woman who's dead before <laughs> she died did she not die in the episode <laughs> she did not die in the episode <laughs> legend has it she, she still lives on could be budding <laughs> Okay, I just really want to make a point right here, a strong point. Please keep this in mind from all the things that are going to come up with Edgar Casey. Seriously, go back and listen to the HPB episode. It's a good episode. It sets up so many things that are of esoteric nature in our culture right now. And she was an interesting woman. And so now Edgar Casey has someone in his life who this is his beliefs. Just keep this in mind right now. And I'm not really going to go much more into that because you can go listen to that episode, but I just wanted to put a pin right there and let you know, please pay attention to this. So here's Lammers. He has a strong belief in theosophy. Theosophy is kind of where Atlantis, among many other well-known occult ideas, come from. So just, like I said, keep it in the back of your mind. Well, I continue down this road. After the readings, Lammers tells Casey that while in this trance state, remember, Casey doesn't remember what happens in this trance state. He tells Lammers about Lammers' past lives and Lammers believes in past lives. This didn't sit well with Casey because it didn't align with his Christian views. Casey challenges Lammers and questions his stenographer who recorded this. This is a quote, quote, in this we see the plan of development of those individuals set upon this plane, meaning the ability to enter again into the presence of the creator and become a full part of that creation. In so far as this entity is concerned, this is the third appearance on this plane, and before this one as the monk. We see glimpses in the life of the entity now as we're shown in the monk, in this mode of living. The body is only the vehicle ever of the spirit and soul that waft through the times and ever remain the same end quote so yeah casey is disputing the fact he ever said this and lammers kind of is there to share his wealth of information on reincarnation with casey which he strongly believes in reincarnation had only briefly come up in casey's readings up until this point 12 years earlier he had briefly referred to the soul being transmigrated however his sessions were not recorded until 1923 it may or may not have come up more in his readings since they had been transcribed it had only come up once before this reading with lammers 
But on the light side, this is where Casey realizes that not only can he do his translate state with the medical readings, he can also do the same thing lying down, hands clasped, closing his eyes, putting himself in a translate state, that he was able to get a direct line to all of time and space, aka the universal consciousness, aka I guess we can say here the Akashic records are the same as all of that, uh, right? That's my understanding of it. It's just a, a yeah. lot of everything. So I think that pretty much describes what we're talking about with the Akashic Records, the universal consciousness, all of time and space. So basically it's that everything that's ever happened, anytime ever, that is going to happen is all basically recorded as a universal consciousness. Right? That makes sense. That makes sense. Something a good Christian boy would obviously know about and be talking about before he slept on yeah, the Bible. Yeah, it's on the Bible. Times. He doesn't sleep on the Bible, though. He enjoys just reading it, which I would no, consider torture. Probably why he doesn't quite understand it and thinks the Akashic Records. Yeah, a.k.a. the universal consciousness. He could answer such things in this state as what are the secrets of the universe and what is my purpose in life and how were the pyramids built and, well, as how can I cure my arthritis, of course. At this point, Lammers asks Casey to join him in Dayton some state to pursue metaphysical truth via his readings and Casey accepts at this point. He is really intrigued by Lammers for some reason and Casey makes the move. It is here that Casey produces a lot of metaphysical information which was causing him so much cognitive dissonance which with his belief in Christianity the things he was saying contradicted his closely held beliefs. In doing this sort of work in Dayton, Lammers wanted to put up money to start an organization to support Casey's healing methods. Casey accepted and brings his family to Dayton in 1923. However, by the time they get there, Lammers can no longer afford to do this. It's around this time, maybe, since Lammers was no longer there, that Casey redirects his focus back into his health-centered readings. Because I really get the feeling from this that Lammers was Directing his readings at that point. Just saying. Towards more like yes, the cult stuff. Yeah. That makes a lot it more does. sense. It yeah. does. And that's just me saying this. There is nothing in my notes saying this, but I distinctly get that from what he's saying and the information that we will find out that he puts out. We're going to see some direct correlations with his theosophy beliefs. We will get to that on the next episode. I don't want to make any... I am making correlations. Sorry, I am. I am. But that's just me. It could be just straight up that all of these things are real life. It could be. And you should become a member of Theosophy. Just putting that out there, probably... I don't know. Do it if you want. Most of his readings center around electrotherapy, ultraviolet light, diet, crystal use, massage, more mental work, and relaxation techniques. However, real doctors of the American Medical Association we're not a fan of Edgar Casey. Casey decides he may want a licensed medical practitioner to join the team to legitimize the whole thing. And in 1925, Casey went into a trance and the voice reportedly told him to move to Virginia Beach. Near the beach, as the sand's crystals would have curative properties to promote rapid healing. Holy shit, that was a tongue twister. And he does it. He packs up his family. And so together we've arrived with Edgar Casey. We're in Virginia 
Virginia Beach and this is where we're going to leave it for this episode and on the next we will pick up where we left off on the more mature chapter of Edgar Casey's life in Virginia Beach. Any closing thoughts on this episode? I'm just excited for the Edgar Casey orgies. Next episode. I mean you got a week yeah. to wait. You got a we week have to, to wait, wait a whole but week. we'll get there together. Yeah. No, that's I'm excited to see how this all turns out. I do hope this one does actually end in death because if he is still alive then man does that just add you know what? to his I haven't even gotten to the prophecy about the mice yet. <laughs> the mice in the you, poop. You don't even know dance. yet. Like it could be the poop, it could be the spinal fluid, it could be the whole mouse up the anus. <laughs> we don't know yet. Tune in next episode. We'll find out what part <laughs> of the mouse actually will keep you alive. <laughs> Stop you from aging. I'll keep you alive, but okay. Thank you all for listening. We'll Bye. see you next week. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh